When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Uh, let's actually start with the Seahawks here. We talked about it last week. Uh, you put a lot of blame on the offensive line. That's, uh, you know, their offensive struggles. And they squeak past, okay, after losing to the Packers week number one, scoring nine points. They squeak by the 49ers, scoring just 12 points, uh, one touchdown in the game. Well, what's going on with the Seahawks here, John? You know, it's just now the pattern for this team. It starts out slow on offense and then tries to get better. Obviously, the offensive line, like so many teams around the league, is a big issue. I mean, I contend now that you know, 60% of the uh, offensive lines around the league just aren't that good. I mean, we've seen a bad development there. But if you, it's kind of funny. You go back last year, and you remember the opening game, the Dolphins came to Seattle, and it was a, a very yeah. low-scoring game. Seattle last year, I mean, this year, as bad as their offense has been, and it's been bad, have actually scored more points than they did last year in the first two games, 21 compared to 15. You know, they ended up after, lose, after winning the Dolphin game going to play the Rams and winning 9-3. to So it's one that uh, you know, they, can't, they struggle to get the running game going early. They did, and they, it turns out now that they may have hit on a seventh-round pick in Chris Carson, who was their best running back in training camp and their best running back in the OTAs, and so far is their best back and gets to the point where Eddie Lacy, who they gave a one-year $4.2 million contract, can't get a uniform He's inactive. They had uh, six drop passes. Uh, Jimmy Graham is off to a very slow start, four catches and nine yards, and now he has an ankle injury. So it's it's a mess right now, but they hope to try to resolve it uh, week by week. And this week they head to Nashville to take the Tennessee Titans on. What's the mood up there in Seattle in regards to, to what Marshawn Lynch is doing? You know, he was obviously a very popular player, uh, and he's thriving so far in his return in Oakland. Uh, are they sour up there in Seattle over Marshawn? I think just a little jealous. Now, again, Marshawn was retired. There was no way that he was coming back last year. He had decided that football was done. He wanted to get out of his system. You know, the body had just uh, decided, you know what, I can't do this anymore. And then when the move was at least announced that the Raiders are going to go to Vegas, you know, he came out and says, I'm going to come back and play for Oakland. And so uh, he started working out and then put himself in a position where he was able to make the trade. But it's really kind of funny because, you know, you figure you can try to solve some problems in free agency or trades, and when you really look around, he's like the only back this year that moved any place that has come out that's not a draft choice and done well because you see Adrian Peterson barely getting on the field. I mean, Jamal Charles is still a shell of himself in Denver. Uh, Latavius Murray ended up going to Minnesota and getting beat out by Delvin Cook, and so Eddie Lacy right now is not getting a chance to do much. So yeah, I think they're a little bit jealous because Lynch right now is the only back, the veteran back, that's kind of made a move that succeeded. With the vulnerability that Lacey showed in this article that came out yesterday, did that blindside Seattle at all? Like, did Seattle have any idea that this was possibly going on with him, that there was a lot of a mental struggle versus a physical struggle with his weight? Yeah, they talked about it because that's why they put the weight clause in there. They gave him a weight clause that he had to make weight six different times to earn about $355,000. So they talked it through, but you can see that he's very sensitive about the conversations about eating and all those different things. And so, uh, you know, they, they knew it. And so far, that hasn't been too much of an issue. He has been able to take the weight and be able to pass every test. The problem is that, uh, you know, he looks a little slow going to the line of scrimmage. And so with that in mind, he 
has, wasn't able to even beat out a seventh-round pick. So mentally, what kind of incentive do they put in there? Obviously, they have the financial incentive, but at this point, Lacey's even talking about, you know, the extra fifty-five grand is not making him lose the weight. It's more of the fear of the criticism and the ridicule that he might have that if he doesn't pass. Yeah, well, he well, so far, I mean, he's been perfect on passing on the weight. I mean, he's at the weight that they want him to be, and so that has not been as much of an issue. It's just a matter of trying to you know, work in the offense and do a good job in the offense. And so the weight, and the other incentive that they have is if, if he's not on the active roster, they have a, a million dollars tied up there in incentives to be on the 46-man roster. And so far, he missed the game on Sunday. So, And again, it was because of performance, not weight. And so he loses like 62500 a week. Uh, you can get in your questions, of course. You can get them on the phone, 786-360-0790, or you can text in 67974. All right, John, let's talk about the Dolphins here. The Dolphins have the Jets this weekend. How much uh, How much film uh, highlights were you able to see of Jay Cutler in his first game? And uh, what, what are we looking at with this Jets team? They've given up more points than anyone has so far through two weeks of football. Well, this, this one should be pretty easy because the Jets are pretty much the worst team in football. They've lost about a dozen starters. Their defense just isn't that good. And offensively, uh, it's just not there. They don't have enough at the receiving core. And so this one should be pretty easy. But I think the Dolphins got off to a pretty decent start. Jay Cutler looks, you know, he, he looked like the perfect fit to come in for Ryan uh, Tannehill because, you know, he knows that offense that Adam Gaze is teaching him that seems to work out real well. I thought the interesting thing is, again, the running game still there and just how he kept on throwing the ball to Jarvis Landry. I mean, it seemed like that was, they're almost using that little short pass like a running play. So I think it's a decent start. I mean, right now, the Rams, I think, still in my eyes, are one of the toughest teams to figure out. I don't know if they're good, bad, or indifferent, and you really couldn't tell it from the first game that they played against Indianapolis. But, no, I think it was a good start, particularly under the, the idea that uh, you know, the Dolphins, because of the hurricane, had to you know, miss a game, try to play catch-up, and get their first game in week two, which I think is a little bit more difficult than people think because you know, your bodies aren't trained to play 60 minutes of football, and at least you're taking on a team that played one game, and so they're a little bit more used to it. But I thought it was a good start. Talking with the professor, John Clayton. John, how long until Lawrence Timmons is back on this football field? Because clearly, if it's up to Adam Gase, the way that he is so irritated with this decision that Lawrence made, uh, if it was up to him, I'm sure he probably wouldn't be wearing the Dolphins uniform. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to be back. I mean, I guess the only thing that gives him an opportunity to come back is that when you have to be replaced by an undrafted rookie, you know, that you definitely have some needs at that position. And obviously they signed him to fill those needs, you know, giving him $6 million a year. But uh, when, you, when you do something like that, I mean, it would have been even worse if they lost. But uh, I think the fact that uh, you know, he's not there, I, I just don't know if you do take him back because uh, I don't, uh, he hasn't explained exactly what was going on, why he wanted to go back to visit family in Pittsburgh and just not telling the team. You know, I'm sure he's explained it to uh, Adam Gaze, but I don't know. What, do you think he's going to be back? Because I, I really question whether they have that trust. I mean, whatever it is he did and the reason he did it, he broke the trust with his teammates and the team. I think it's going to be tough for him to get back. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Especially when Pouncey comes out in the media and says we stand with our brother 110%, once he finds out the real story of why he's left, I'm, I have a hard time believing that his defensive brethren, Ndamukong Sue, Cameron Wake, a lot of the other players, Kiko Alonso, a lot of those guys, a lot of them have ideals and, and, and their own demons that they're probably battling with in their own lives, but choosing to go back home and aborting the brothers that he has in that locker room might not sit well with a guy like me. Yeah, I mean, John, I, I personally, I, I don't think he's going to be back with the team, but... Uh, it sounds like the way Adam Adam Gase was very upset about it Sunday. 
it sounds like over the last couple of days he has softened his his stance a little bit. Yeah, I think he's back. And, and and I think it's because you know the decision isn't solely his. You know, you got guys in the locker room, you got the need at linebacker, you got the salary cap situation. So, but but you know the Pittsburgh Steelers organization well. This seems to be extremely out of character for a guy who's been in the league for a long time, right? Oh, no question. I mean, one of the reasons I'm sure the Dolphins brought him there was for leadership. And, you know, he, at least until last year, I think it was like four weeks into the season, he, he was the guy that was calling the defensive uh, plays on the field, the defensive signals, and getting them to everybody else. Now, he wasn't great at it. I mean, because, again, he's more of a player than, I guess, a demonstrative leader. But, I mean, he was the guy that was trying to get everybody set with what was going to go on on defense. And so, you know, with that in mind, I'm sure that's what the Dolphins were looking at. It's like, okay, let's get a guy that could do this. I mean, he was a good player for a long period of time because you know he was for three four he was a kind of an undersized quick linebacker but he played so well for such a long time but now if you're going to be the leader of the defense and brought to help the Dolphins if your first move as a Dolphin is to not even be there I think it's going to be hard to come back and win back the locker room and win back the coach all right John we're gonna put you on hold here we can take some questions for you coming up all right okay all right John we'll get to uh, some callers for you here you ready I am ready. All right, let's start off with JP. JP, go ahead first for John. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Hey, John, I got a question for you, sir. Um, with the way the, the, the horrible performance that the Buffalo Bills uh, offense did against um, Carolina last weekend, do you think that that offense will ever get right? I know they took a lot away, a lot of uh, tools getting rid of uh, Sammy and all that. Um, that kind of hindered them, but do you think that they can get that ship right? I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Yeah, I think they can get better. It's just going to be better, need better play out of Tyrod Taylor. You know that LaShawn McCoy is going to run the ball pretty well. That's, uh, that's obviously there, but, you know, they're really starving at the receiver position and tight end. I mean, Charles Clay hasn't really worked out at tight end. And then when you get, when you lose two of your top receivers, I mean, you trade away Sammy Watkins and then you let uh, Robert Woods go. There's just not a lot there that Tyrod Taylor can really work with. And so that's the one problem. But again, I, I can't imagine it being as bad as it is now when we're seeing so many offenses get off to bad starts part offensive line part some of the moves that they made and part that you know nobody's really had a chance to get clicking because there's not enough time to get these guys ready on the field i mean scoring down is down five points a game it's down about 15 percent as far as offensive touchdowns and you can see sacks are up but right now tyrod taylor's not off to a good start but i think if they can get LaShawn mccoy running which i think they will it'll get a little bit better let's give nick an opportunity here go ahead nick Thank you. A Browns fan here. Question about Josh Gordon. I know that uh, he's coming out of a program, supposedly. The commissioner has said the file hasn't hit his desk. We're wondering if you've heard anything, because with Corey Coleman going down, we need help. And at least we're better than the Jets, you know, but we need help at receiver. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's supposed to find out by the end of the month whether he can at least uh, you know, have a chance to come back, and so there's an opportunity. But I'd have to say that he's not going to be an option for the Cleveland Browns. I think if Hugh Jackson made it pretty well clear once he went into rehab and once he got the suspension that more than likely they're just going to move on, You know, either releasing him, seeing if they can get some kind of a trade. So I don't think that Josh Gordon's going to be an option for the Browns. And you're right. I mean, the Browns, uh, with Corey Coleman down and Kenny Britt being disappointing, I I mean, how bad, how bad is the Browns' situation at wide receiver? You know, they cut Rashard Higgins and had him on the practice squad. They brought him up, and he's now all of a sudden moved to be almost their number one receiver, and this is after one week of being on the practice squad. John, some text for you on the text line at 67974. What do the Giants need to do with their offense to get some type of movement? 
I'd have to say uh, bench Eric Flowers at left tackle. Now, again, I don't know what option is going to be able to work, but you know they're so terrible at the tackle position that uh, Eli Manning doesn't have much of a chance to get the ball off. You can see they don't have a running game and really haven't had a running game. But you know the tackle position is one that's just uh, so bad for them. You know Flowers was beaten for three sacks in the game on Monday night and has just been a kind of a, a turnstile out there. But they've got to find a way to get that tackle situation because again, you know you look at last year, offensive line dragged down Eli Manning, and you know they also probably need to figure out uh, and get Odell Beckham healthy because, I mean, he wasn't able to get much separation with that high ankle sprain. And right now, Brandon Marshall's looking a lot older than he probably is at the age of 33. What do you make of McAdoo's post-game criticism of Eli? Uh, I, I guess it's probably a little bit better than the criticism of himself. I, I thought it was a little unfair because you know, Eli did not play well. And it's almost the same as when Bruce Arian kind of ripped his quarterback, Carson Palmer, you know, because the sideline reporter on the Cardinals network came over to him and he says, what's the problem in the offense? And he said, the quarterback. Well, I mean, you know, Eli at least has to accept that he's not playing good football. I mean, he's not uh, he's a little bit tentative in his throws. He's not getting the ball out as quickly as he needs to. And uh, right now, I thought it was a little unfair for them to do it. But Ben McAdoo's right now turning the attention on himself because he's thinking about benching himself as a play caller and having the uh, quarterback coach, or offensive coordinator, Mike Sullivan, take over. Yeah, Texter asks if you think that that is a realistic possibility. Do you actually see McAdoo doing that? I can see him doing it because I think that he watched Mike McCarthy do it once and uh, he'll give the play calling away. Now, again, McCarthy uh, took it back sometime later in that first year, and McAdoo could take it back. But I think at the moment, you know, McAdoo's so frustrated with the way the offense is going, he is thinking about taking it away and very well could do it on Sunday. Let's give uh, Todd an opportunity here for John Clayton. Go ahead, Todd. Hey, guys, good morning. Uh, John, uh, my Steelers defense looks like it's gotten a lot better, which is, I think it was a big bugaboo uh, in the playoffs years past. Just want to see in this short sample size if you think that's the case and, and what the long-term look might be. Thanks. Yeah, I do think that's the case because I think you can see that they're really good on the defensive line. That's the big thing because uh, even though Stephen Tewitt, Stephon Tewitt is banged up right now with a biceps injury, they get good pressure at the line. I think their linebacking core is deep. And then I think the addition of Joe Hayden uh, has really helped out the secondary. And so, no, I think this is pretty much the best defense the Steelers have put on the field probably in about eight to ten years. John, you are uh, you are in Tennessee. I'm assuming this weekend. Give me uh, give me some thoughts here on Mariota and that Titan team so far. Yeah, I mean it was disappointing in Week One because I was stunned that uh, a Raider defense that really isn't that good was able to hold Mariota and the offense to 16 points. But they came back and scored 37 uh, on last week's game, and so I, I, I really like Marcus Mariota. I mean. First, they're able to get a good running game going. He helps because he's a mobile quarterback. And he can get the game running again. they got one of the better offensive lines in football. So this is going to be a tough game for Seattle going there because, again, you, know, you, you, you start the, the process of watching two quarterbacks and two teams develop and wondering which one's going to get to the playoffs first. Is it going to be Marcus Mariota in Tennessee? Is it going to be Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay? Both got to nine wins last year, and I think after the bad start in the first game, I think that they've righted the ship, and I think it's, they, they have a good chance to win this game against Seattle. A texter is asking what you expect to happen with Mike Daniels of the Packers, his injury. Uh, well, it's a hamstring, so it's kind of a week-to-week thing, and it's a shame that uh, you know, it did affect him because he was so good in week one. I mean, he was a dominating player, so I think it's kind of week-to-week. I think he does have a decent chance of playing, though, this week. John, is this the year for the Chiefs or what? Alex Smith on board? I think so, yeah. 
I mean, really what it is, it's, it's the year for the AFC West because you look at how well three teams are playing. Again, you know that Oakland's offense was going to be good with Derek Carr. Uh, you didn't know that the defense was going to get out to the good start. What you look at is Kansas City matches up well against Oakland. You know, they've beaten them four times in a row. Uh, they're a very physical team, and that really seems to have a little bit of an edge on the Oakland Raiders. And then you look at the Denver Broncos. Their defense is great, and Trevor Simeon's coming off a couple pretty good games, particularly one on uh, Sunday. So overall, I think the division looks really good with the exception of the Chargers. And right now, uh, I mean, Kansas City appears to be the team, if they can continue to beat Oakland, to, uh, to win that division. Great job, John. We'll talk to you again next week, heading into week number four. Okay, thank you. All right, that's John Clayton right there as he joins us every Thursday at this time. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.